I'm going to preach about Jesus today. And I just know that Jesus, this is so simple. <clears throat> when I first got born again, they talked about, you know, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, and that, I was seven years old back in Louisville, Kentucky. And after 61 from 7 or 7 from 61 or whatever that is, uh, 54. Is that right? 54 years. You know, there's times in our life, in our walk with God, that you can just, God just becomes, yeah, I know God. But God wants us to know him in a way that he's your best friend, he's your father, he's everything. He's everything to you. And so our scripture that we've quoted all year so far in Romans 15, 13, it says this, now may God, let's can we say it together? Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. And I believe that hope is going to rise up between all of us. And in the, even in our city and around our nation and around the world, the world needs hope. They need hope. And uh, I'll just say this. No politician is going to bring us together in unity. Thank you for that thunderous applause. But anyway, I don't believe anybody can bring us together. But I believe when the church, when people who know God start yielding to what is inside of them, it will cause a manifestation of his love and presence for people to want to be drawn to one another. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I, I left off with this last week. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his div divine power. Did y'all hear that? Most of my walk with God, I was always crying out for something that was up there. I was crying out for God, please pour out your spirit. You know, and people cry out for revival. And I get that. I, I know that. But God is not withholding anything from us. He's not withholding anything from us. Just like any father, you know, no good father is going to say, now when you're good, I'm going to feed you supper. When you're good, I'll provide a bed for you. When you're good, I'll just make sure I'll buy you a couple of things to play with. No, but a good father is going to provide no matter what. Before it's your birthday, it's going to be provided for. Before it's Christmas, it's going to be provided for. Before you're hungry, there's going to be food in the house. Before you get sleepy, there's going to be a bed inside your bedroom. That is your father and then multiplied a billion times more. He said everything we could ever need. That you could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all of this, and let me just back up. What do you need for life? Maybe we should start there. What do you need for life? Well, the number one thing you need is health. Health. Everybody needs health. I don't care if you got a million dollars in the bank account. You need health if you're going to enjoy one dollar of it. You need health to enjoy your kids. You need health to enjoy your, your spouse and your children and friends. You need health. So he says everything we would ever need for life, which would be health. 
which would be provision. The two, those three things that people really strive and try to get a hold of on this planet, no matter what nationality or culture you are. Number one is health, number two is provision, and three is relationships. Everybody struggles in those areas. And God says everything that we need in this life has already been deposited in us. It's in us. He goes on, for all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him. All of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. I believe in the midst of all the bad that's going on, and I know it's easy for Christians and people of the world just to be like everybody else, and that is to focus on all the negative things that are going on. But I'm here to tell you God wants us to focus on his goodness. Don't focus on, well, the mass issue, the political issue, the, the riot issue and all that. Don't get me wrong. Those things are important. But the number one issue is Jesus. And if we focus on him, that which has been lavished upon us, it says that we'll see a manifestation of his goodness. Man, if there's ever been a time in history since I've been alive, we need a manifestation of his goodness. But I found out that I don't have to cry out and pray and believe God that him to pour out his goodness upon us. We need to realize that that goodness has already been in us and he's waiting on us. The church has been crying out. We wait on you, God. We wait on you, God. And God says, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to realize that there's healing on the inside of you. It's not supposed to be just pastors who lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's supposed to be anybody who believes in Jesus that they lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's supposed to be the goodness of God being poured out of sight of you onto people. We've been waiting on God and God says, stop the waiting. 2,000 years ago, he took care of it all. He took care of it all. And it says, as a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. Man, did you hear that? A partnership. I've been in partners with deals, and and it's a good deal. But man, I tell you what, what kind of partnership is it when he says the divine nature? You're in partnership with the divine nature. That means... All of the attributes of God are at your disposal. And I know some people just say, I don't know about that. That's okay. But I'm just reading from the Bible. This is not the book of Mike. This is the book of Peter, 2 Peter. And it says this, as a result of this, he's given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can, you can. Not that you are automatically, but you can. Experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are over the world. So what is the key? When I was meditating upon this, there's only one key in all of this. People says if there's healing inside of me, there's provision inside of me. All of these things have been lavished inside of me. How do I get it outside of me? How do I get it outside of me? This is the thing. He says that for all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of Knowing him. That is the key. The key is not your performance. The key is not my performance. The key, the key that unlocks everything that's on the inside of you and me. There's a key that unlocks everything that's what's been deposited on the inside of us. And that key is 
knowing him. Now, I know there's different thoughts that people have about knowing Jesus. You can ask a guy who lives underneath a bridge, and he says, yeah, I know God. You can ask anybody, and they say, yeah, I know Jesus. But I've come to the point that even Mike Davis, I would have said that. And God has just been challenging me. He's been challenging me. He says, Mike, you need to know me at a deeper level. You need to know me intimately. Intimately. Anytime that the Bible says to know God, it's the same word as a husband and wife knowing each other. A husband and wife knowing each other in the bedroom. And that's all I'll say. That's, you say, well, how can that be with God? There's no closer relationship than that. And Jesus is saying this. That is how you need to know Jesus. Intimately. Intimately. Philippians 3.10 I'm just believing this. I've been praying all week for everybody here that's watching and everybody here that's listening. And that is that all of us will have a hunger for Jesus like we've never had before. I've just believed that. And it's not a religious square. Okay, we, we're going to serve God today. We came to Backyard Church. But then there's Monday morning. And Jesus is kind of like on the back burner. And sometimes he's not even on the back burner. We don't even know where he's at. But Jesus wants to be part of your everyday life. He wants to be part of you when you work on uh, the assembly line, when you work behind the desk, when you work at, uh, at fast food or whatever you do. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you're dealing with your kids, or if you're stay-at-home and you're unemployed, whatever you're doing in life, Jesus wants to be part of that. And so if this is what Paul said in Philippians 3.10. It says, and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. It's available for us to experience his resurrection power. How much power did it take to raise Christ from the dead? We, we can't understand that. If you say, can you measure the power that it took to raise Christ from the dead? That can't be measured. But Paul sits there and he says, I want to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me, not working out of me, but again, it's working in me, and I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Now, I read this one time in, in a minister's breakfast or whatever, and they said, oh, you shouldn't have just read that last part. You know, we want to know God and his resurrection power. But we don't want to know him in his suffering. I mean, who wants to know Jesus in his suffering? I don't believe Paul understood it that way. Because he's just like you and me. Oh, yeah, we love suffering. I just love suffering. I don't think Paul, you know, people think Paul was super spiritual, you know, and that so he loved suffering. I thought, I've never met a person that would just go, yeah, I love to suffer. Let's go suffer together. Let's go suffer together. You may not get anybody to walk with you on that one. So what does he mean? What does he mean that we, we, sh we should just know Jesus and his suffering? Now, I know there's persecution, and a lot of people, that I've even preached that. You preach that, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. I believe that. But I believe that there's another side of this, too. I believe that it's when you put others first, sometimes that's not our cup of tea. It's a good place for the whole church just to erupt an amen. 
It's not, a good, it's not good to just, I, I just want to put others first and make yourself always last. I want to just put others first. I believe that's what Paul was saying when we suffer. But there is something that he knew about that that was tremendous. I believe Paul understood that when you put others first, the love of God that's inside of us gets manifested and it blesses everybody, including you. Did you get that? When you sit there and you put others first, there's some suffering. There's some like, you know, if there's only one piece of cherry pie and everybody's there and you go, especially this guy. That's one of my favorites, you know, and if it's Melody's homemade cherry pie, I go, yeah, you go ahead. You take it, brother. But the inside of you, your flesh is going, that was the last piece. Now, that's some natural stuff. You say, well, that's not that big deal. But that's on a smaller, minute level. But when you're, when you're putting the others first, that may cost you something. That may cost you something. When you do that, your flesh is going to go, man, I, I just didn't like that. But then that is the time for you and me to experience of the love of God that's been manifested, that is in us to come out on the outside, and it blesses all of us. Jesus understood that. I believe that's why he did say it's more blessed to give than it is to, uh, to receive. I believe he, when he was on the cross, he could do say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was putting others first, but there was a manifestation of the love of God that we still experience today just knowing what Jesus has done for us. The Amplified, I like what it says as well. It says in Philippians 3.10, For my determined purpose, Paul's determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over all believers, and that I may so share his suffering as to, to be continually transformed. See, it does something. It transforms us in the spirit and to his likeness, even to his death in the hope. So Jesus wants us to be just like him. I know some people think that's blasphemy, but this is what he's saying. Paul says, I just want to know Jesus so much that I'm just like him. Did you know that's the heart of God? That is why Jesus came. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life. Most people want eternal life just so they don't go to hell and they can go to heaven. But Jesus didn't say that. Eternal life is knowing him. That's eternal life, knowing Jesus. And if we're going to know him, these other things that we're striving for on the outside become automatic. And it, does, it, it makes you just rest in him. That's why it says in Hebrews, he says, you need to work to enter into his rest. You need to work at Letting Jesus and knowing him become all that he wants you to be. All that he wants you to be. So, go with the flow. That was the title of this message. You could have followed along. I forgot to tell you that. Uh, rmfchurch.org. You can still click on media and then notes. It's go with the flow. So, what is, is it to go with the flow? I believe this. You know, a lot of my life, I tried to have more faith and know more about faith. I've tried to know more about healing so I can walk in healing. I've tried to know more about love, and I believe we need to all do that. We need to search the scriptures. You need the word of God about healing. 
You need the word of God about faith. You need the word of God about grace. You need all of this. But like I said at the beginning, the most important thing, the key to everything is knowing him. Because if you know him, you go with the flow that is inside of you. And what's inside of you is Jesus. And inside of Jesus, he doesn't contain healing. He is healing. If you're struggling in healing, if you're struggling in provision, if you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling in grace, if you're struggling in any area of your life, I'm here to tell you, just start spending time with him. That is the key. Because when you get to know him at a greater level, you know, sometimes people walk with God for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and you think, yeah, I know God. Are you still excited about him, though? Are you still excited about him? Because to me, there, I, there's been so many times that, I, let's just be honest, sometimes our walk with God, if you follow him for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it's easy to, for just your walk with God to be boring. Yeah. Don't look so sanctified out there. It's easy to, to, for your walk with God to be boring. But I'm here to tell you that if you understand how much he wants to walk with you as far as manifesting his goodness in your life. He doesn't want to just be a religious figure in your life. I've come to the conclusion that God loves me so much that he wants to be part of every area of my life. And when I start realizing that and desiring it, did you know he's never going to push himself on you? Young people, he'll never throw himself at you. Older people, too. He's ne- no, no matter how old you are. He's never going to just shake you and say, you need to follow me. You need to, you know? Love, let's, you know what the purpose is? As far as love always gives you free choice. When a man asks a woman to marry him, he doesn't say, you have to marry me. That's going to be a no right off the bat. <laughs> but it's free choice. That's what love is. You don't make anybody do anything. You give them a free choice. Jesus gave us a free choice. And I've just thought, you know what? I'm starting to get a little bit of revelation about what knowing him is all about. Knowing him is greater than anything that I could seek after. It's greater than the healing. Instead of seeking healing, I think we ought to seek the healer. Instead of seeking provision, we ought to seek the provider. I believe in seeking anything about grace and love. We need to seek the lover, the gracer. Everything that Jesus is. He sits there in in Romans chapter 15, verse 5. It says, now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort. God is our source in every area of our life. He says, grace you with unity among yourselves. Which overflows from your relationship with Jesus, the anointed one. So that's why I said nobody can bring unity to this nation. Nobody can. But this is the thing. He says that we can have unity among ourselves. And that unity is not going to be me preaching what you should be doing, what you should not be doing. Are you listening to me? Unity comes from, it says, from uh, overflow of your relationship with Jesus. That's it. 
an overflow with Jesus. And so I was thinking about the, this week. And how do we get to know him better? How do we get, how would you get, if you wanted to, if you met somebody and you said, man, I just want to get to know that person. How would you do that? You would spend time with them. Hey, you want to have coffee? Next day, you want to have lunch? Next day, you want to come over to my house? I'm off all day tomorrow. You can spend eight hours right here. You just start spending time with them. I think we've made Knowing God, a difficult thing. Or let me just say this. We made it a religious thing. Man, throughout the day, these last few weeks, I've just been, if I'm working outside watering my trees or whatever, I just say, man, Jesus, I'm, I'm just glad that you're always with me. I've walked miles. I wish I would have timed it inside the church. And the majority of that walking is not me talking to him. It's me just being shut up and listening to worship music and just saying, I'm just thankful, Jesus, that you walk with me every day. And I'm just going to be quiet in your presence. Just being quiet before God. Just knowing that he's with me. I want to know him at a greater degree. I will say this. When you know how much he loves you and you start knowing him at a greater degree, healing it's easier to be manifested because, first of all, you know he wants you to be healed more than you want yourself to be healed. It's a reality. It's a truth. God wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. He wants you to have a good life. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, rob, steal, and kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And the Amplified Version says, to the full, to it overflows. In other words, too much life. Too much life. But you and I will never experience that But if it always stays on the inside of us and never we get to manifest it on the outside. The key is knowing Him. Knowing Jesus. It's the thing that we learned when we first got saved. Oh, I fell in love with Jesus. We still need to fall in love with Him every day of our life. On Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. Psalms 91. This is the message translation. It says this. Psalms 91, verse 14. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. Woo! What does it mean to hold on to him for dear? You're trusting God no matter what kind of trouble it is. It's not too big. It's the whole story of David being a boy and a giant being nine feet tall. It's not too big for God. David went attacked Goliath not because he was such an experienced rock thrower, but he was an experienced guy who knew God. He said, that giant is nothing to my father, which means nothing that you or I will ever experience. Nothing can be too big for him. It's always too big for us. It could be a financial mountain. It could be a, a, a sickness mountain. It could be a relationship mountain. Any mountain that you and I face, but it's never too big for our God. But you and I will never experience the freedom in that if we don't know how big God is to you. Not how big he is to me. How big is your God to you? And the only way that you know how big he is is how big your knower is on the inside. Do you know him? It says, if you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you, listen to this, I'll give you the best of care. If you'll only get to know and trust me. 
I'll give you the best care. He's not withholding. Second Peter says he deposited everything already on the inside of you. So we know no, the crying and the begging for God to do something should be over with. I said the crying and begging God. God, heal me. God, are you going to provide for me? God, are you going to change my wife? God, are you going to change my children? God, are you going to change my husband? Cricket, cricket. God is saying, will you get to know me? If you get to know me, I'll give you. If he would have just said, I'll give you good care. He said, I'll give you the best of care if you only get to know. And here's another part. Trust. What does that mean? You can only trust somebody if you know them. You know, if you've got a six-year-old baby and you've got to go inside to, to the bathroom or something, you're not going to, somebody's walking down in the mall and it's a total stranger. Oh, could, could you hold my baby for me? No mama's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. She's only going to trust that baby with somebody she knows. So Jesus sits there and he says, you, if you only get to know and trust God. The reason we don't trust God for healing, the reason we don't trust God with our finances, the reason we don't trust God with our relationships, the reason we don't trust God with our life is because... We don't know him well enough. But I believe that's changing. I've been praying for myself and for all of us to have a hunger for Jesus like we never had before. Just a hunger for him. He says in verse 15, call me and I'll answer. I'll be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you. And then I'll throw you a party. When I was growing up, you know, the religious church, you know, they, they were anti-party. And I found out that, wow, God's into parties. He's into celebrations. Matter of fact, he's the biggest partier of all partiers, you know. You know, people say, well, if you get saved, you can't go to parties. And God says, if you get saved, I'm going to throw you the biggest party that you've ever had with no hangover. And he says, I'll give you a long life. I'll give you a long drink of salvation. I'm praying that Rocky Mountain Family Church and those who are watching online, there's going to be such a hunger stirred up within you. There's going to be a hunger for you to worship God, to be with God, to talk with him, not be religious with him, but to be his a best friend. So that when all of a sudden you, I believe there's encounters of God that are just waiting for us. The church has been crying out, God, we, I just want you to pour out your spirit. We need revival. Do you really think God up in heaven is? I know you need it, but I ain't giving it to you. I'm just not, I'm just not in the mood to pour out my spirit. I'm just not in the mood to heal you. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus was not giving out healing. Jesus was not giving out healing. But the woman crawled through the crowd on her hands and knees. And she says, I'm going to touch him. He was present. And if you knew that Jesus was present, that there was healing power in him, people touched him. But nobody was getting healed. This is the whole, this is a great example. The power of Jesus is inside of you. Just like Jesus was walking and people were touching him, but nobody was getting healed. But there was one woman who was determined. She had a determined purpose. I know that Jesus is a healer. 
And I know if I touch him, not Jesus touch her. She put the responsibility on herself. She put the responsibility on herself. I'm going to touch Jesus. And when I do touch him, I will be made whole. She touched him. Jesus didn't even know. People say, well, Jesus knew everything. When he was on the earth, I don't believe he did. He turns around and he goes, who touched me? Because he said, something came out of me. All the disciples in their religious mode says, Jesus, everybody's touching you. We'd have to have pencil and paper and take names. There's so many people touching. He says, somebody touched me. And they made a demand on the healing power that is in me. And virtue came out of me. And they got healed. What does that mean? Healing is available 24-7. But healing is not up in heaven. Healing is inside of you and me. It's in us. We just have to be determined to say, I'm going to get to know the healer so much and so great that I'll walk in health and healing. I believe it. I believe that we need whatever he deposited. And I've talked to God. I says, I don't know everything you deposited in me, but I want to get to know everything that it's in me. And this is what Jesus said. Then you need to get to know me. You need to get to know Jesus. You need to get to know him. And getting to know him is not filling out a religious square. Getting to know him is just like if you wanted to get to know somebody. You would spend time with them and you would want to be with them. Not I have to be with him. I was made to go to church. How many people were made to go to church when you were a kid? Just be honest. We have to go. Every time the door was open, drag me to church. There's no question. You just, you just knew. I have to go to church. And then when I got older, I knew that I wanted to go to church. And you know what? This is the thing. God can ha- You know God doesn't get offended? If you say, God, I just don't feel like reading the word. I don't feel like praying to you. I don't feel like going to church. I just don't feel religious. I don't feel any of that. God's not going to fall off the throne in heaven. (laughs) Wow, that was tough. No. But this is what, there's times that I say, God, I just don't feel like reading my Bible. I just want, I just want to be on, you know, he knows that whether you tell him that or not. Just news alert. Could be a bombshell, but he knows what you think or how you feel and everything. So I just expressed that to him. You know, God, man, I just, I just, my walk with you has been boring. And I know I don't want that. So could you help me? Help me to see some things, to change it up, to do whatever I need to do. Because I know you're not up there going, I mean, because if you could hear God say that, he would say the same thing. Yeah, my walk with you has been boring as well. Just saying. Hasn't been really a... Party time when you've been walking around on the earth. But this is what you can say. You say, God, I believe him for that to change. I want that to change. We all get a choice. It's just our want to has to be switched. And whatever you start to focus on, I believe in your attention, what you give your attention to, you'll start focusing on it and it will start becoming more real to you. 
When I was a kid, I liked football, but man, when I started really focusing in on it and learning the players' names and learning the rules and, and watching in, I got more interested because I became so focused on it. I became focused on it. You can be that way with Jesus. But listen, you, you need to, Jesus it needs to be over everything. He needs to be over you seeking out faith. I just need more faith. And I believe that. But something greater than knowing about faith is knowing him. Something greater than knowing about healing is knowing him. Something greater than about knowing about grace is knowing him. Because all those other things, you can have different doctrines and you can not be perfect in certain areas. But if you know Jesus, he's the trump card, if I could say it that way. He's the trump card. Because he, if you know him, there will be things about healing you don't understand. But if you know him, you can get healing. There's some things about provision that we may not totally understand. But if you know him, you know you're going to be provided for. Because he said that if you know me, I will give you the best life. I'll give you the best care. I'll give you everything that you need. He says in the world, people are seeking things. But he said the key is me. He says if you know me, the things that the world seeks after, you will understand that surely goodness and mercy are going to follow you and chase you down. They'll chase you down. The presence of God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Let me just close with this. God never leaves you. Everything that he deposited inside of you and me will never be taken away from you. It's in you. It's in you. So just start talking to God and saying, God, I want what you put in me. He was beaten. He died on the cross. He was crucified. So that you and I can experience the manifested goodness of God. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. When Jesus was up there, you were nailed on that cross underneath him. And all of us were nailed on that cross underneath him. In the spiritual realm, we all have Holes in our hands. Holes in our feet. And we have a hole in our side in the spiritual realm. We do. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. Why did Paul want Christ to live in him? Because everything that was deposited inside of Christ, he said, I want that to be manifested out here. That's why when you read about the life of Paul and Acts and the epistles, it said, man, he was shipwrecked, snake-bitten. He went through hell and back. You know, I've read and seen, you know, on documentaries of drug addicts that are, that are having all these withdrawals. I mean, it looks like, man, they got pulled through hell through a knothole. You know what I mean? It was terrible experience and everything. Jesus experienced all of that. He experienced hell and anything terrible that could happen in this life. And he experienced that so that he could absorb it like a sponge into himself. So that he could care for you and me. And so that we could become what he was and is. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I now live by, I live by the faith of the Son of God. 
God's faith is in all of us. But we, you and I work so hard to try to make things happen. We work so hard to make ends meet financially. We work so hard in trying to get it together. And God wants you to know today that he wants you to rest in him. And the only way you can rest in him and to trust him is to know him. And if you rest in him, healing is not going to be a big deal. Provision is not going to be a big deal. Getting that promotion is not going to be a big deal. You just know. Paul said this. None of, he went through all of these terrible things. Snake bit, shipwreck, put in prison for two years. He just wrote about joy in Philippians. He wrote about joy while he was in prison for two years. You know why? Because at the end of his testimony, he said this. None of these things move me. We should be a people that the pandemic does not move me. Anything that this world dishes out does not and cannot move me. Why? Because the greater one lives in us. Let's stand. Praise God. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for each and every person that's here and watching. I just believe that people would have a hunger with Jesus. And you talk about flowing. That we'll flow in the spirit. That we'll see people in need. And we'll say, I have their answer on the inside of me. That what they are seeking for, the need that they are needing is in us. So, Father, I pray that we would all become more aware of those around us. That we won't just look at a, a, a world that is dying without hope. We will look at the world and say, I've got the answer on the inside of me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And Lord, help us all to have a hunger that we will know you in such a way. We'll know you in such a way that we can not only believe you, we can trust you with our life. We can trust you with our healing can trust you with our finances we can trust you with our relationships we can trust you in every area of our life because of jesus lord we pray in the name of jesus for eyes to be open paul said in ephesians that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened that we may know the length the breadth and the depth and the height of his love we need to know that love more today than we ever have and lord not only do we need to know that love god you want us to experience it God, it's time for the church to experience the love of God. It's time for the church to experience the healing power of God. It's time for the church to experience the provision, miracle working power of God. It's time we experience God. It's time. You've been waiting on us. So, Father, today I ring the dinner bell. Come and dine at the master's table. Come and dine at the master's table. There's healing. There's, there's the bread of healing prepared. There's provision at this table. In the presence of our enemies, there is this tremendous meal. Come and dine with him today. I pray that for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. My Father generously provides all that I need. He is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I ask or think, according to the power that is in me. He surrounds me with favor. Inspires me to be a blessing. I am blessed.